Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton, joined today by Kelly Jane Torrance of the Weekly Standard, who has written a piece looking at Donald Trump's Afghanistan strategy titled Afghanistan and its Neighbors. Which neighbor are you most interested in? Well, I'm actually most interested in, Eric, the one that Donald Trump did not mention during his big primetime speech outlining his Afghanistan strategy. So he talked a whole lot about Pakistan. He did, and he mentioned India. Uh, He called out Pakistan for harboring terrorists, giving them a safe haven despite getting, you know, billions in USAID. And he mentioned India as a possible neighbor that we can work with on Afghanistan. As a way to really kind of nudge Pakistan. Exactly. Big rivals. you say India, Pakistan, what, what? They are big rivals. But he didn't mention Afghanistan's direct Western neighbor, which is also causing a lot of chaos in the country. And that, of course, is Iran. So Iran, the the old saw would have it that the Taliban and their al-Qaeda allies are Sunni Muslims, and Iran, being Shia Muslims, are ant- antithetical to one another. But uh, that, that old dichotomy doesn't necessarily wash. Exactly. A lot of people, they only know a little bit about the Middle East or they've studied it very superficially and they think that those are the two groups that they need to understand and that those groups are always diametrically opposed to each other. But that simply is not the case and it, it it's never really been the case. And yeah, we've seen that most recently with the diplomatic row that's going on between some Arab Gulf states in Qatar. And these are all Sunni states, but they're having a big argument and, and not getting along. And that's they're all arguing over how to pronounce gutter. <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. I certainly Western uh, journalists have uh, been We've arguing all been about told that a while. Gutter, gutter. No. I- I've heard many native Arab speakers say cutter. And I've heard some native Qataris say Qatar. Exactly. So it's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of media struggle, pay a lot of attention in trying to get how to pronounce something, but not actually trying to understand what's going on in the region. And I think this is one case. And yeah, so of course, Iran is a Shia state on the whole, majority Shia by far, and the Taliban and al-Qaeda are Sunni groups. But, you know, just because they have a few religious differences doesn't mean that they have don't have a lot in common. Strategic, and in this case, uh, they do, yes. Imp- impulses that are the same. So what has Iran been doing to shore up the Taliban? Well, they've been giving them a lot of direct aid, uh, fuel, weapons, cash, even. And they've also been allowing a lot of Taliban commandos to live in Iran, uh, where they go back and forth. And they've also been allowing them to recruit in Iran. Now, in that, uh, you know, with the, near the border with Afghanistan, you have a lot of uh, Afghan formerly refugees who live in that area. And they've been able to uh, recruit more fighters from the Taliban for that area. And, I, you know, Iran sees this as a, a way to do many things. One is to keep Afghanistan destabilized so that it hopes it can continue to exert influence and exert even more influence over it. Uh, Secondly, you know, the Taliban and the uh, Iranian regime, the current regime, have a lot in common in terms of uh, wanting to uh, repress women, wanting to repress dissidents. Wanting to stick it to the great Satan. Exactly. And that's the third thing. Exactly. This is a way for Iran to sort of get at the United States through the Taliban, which is, of course, directly uh, attacking U.S. forces and interests in the country. Now, there at least is one reason why the president might um, call out Pakistan, because the U.S. has some direct leverage over Pakistan, could withhold some of the billions of dollars that get paid to Pakistan. 
Um, what leverage is there that the U.S. has with regard to Iran, though? Well, that's an interesting question. And we have a little bit less than we used to after the Obama administration signed the nuclear deal, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. But there still is some things that we, some things that we can do. Uh, for example, uh, the Joint Plan, Comprehensive Plan of Action allows companies now to do business in Iran, American companies. You know, Boeing has signed two deals so far to ship aircraft to Iran. One was worth $16 billion and one was worth $3 billion. Now, the deal allows them to do that. The United States government could decide that, hey, you know, we don't think our companies should be allowed to do business and give money to a regime that is supporting terrorism, especially terrorism that hurts its own people and hurts United States interests. Now, you suggest in your article that even if uh, Donald Trump, who's been struggling with what to do with regard to the Iran nuclear deal, um, that Rex Tillerson and the striped trousers fellows at uh, the State Department uh, are not at all interested in um, in putting a damper on the Iran nuclear deal. Exactly. Now, it, President Trump has actually made it quite clear repeatedly that he does not like the deal. During the campaign, he called it one of the worst deals ever signed. He thinks it's bad for United States security interests, but he has been talked into recertifying it twice so far, despite wanting to tear it up. And uh, Rex Tillerson is certainly one of the people who has been at the forefront of that. And I suggest that you know perhaps Donald Trump needs to finally overrule his viziers here and make a declaration that no, Iran has not been following the deal and the deal is not good for the United States or even the Iranian people. I mean, keep in mind that we gave Iran, the United States gave Iran $17 billion in direct cash because of that deal. And none of that money has reached the Iranian people. I talked to uh, some recently fled dissidents from Iran who pointed out that that money is going to places like Syria to help Bashar al-Assad. It's going to Hezbollah. Um, it's going to help the Houthis in Yemen. And we've even heard recently that it looks like Iran might be aiding ISIS. Kelly Jane Torrance, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thank you, Eric. Support for the Daily Standard podcast comes from the Dollar Shave Club, the smarter choice. You get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer. You don't have to schlep to the store and try to get razors out of those little plastic safes they're always locked behind. No cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave. And you don't spend a fortune on 14-blade razors with magic lubrication strips or other gimmicky shave technology. It's just a great razor paired with Dr. Carver's shave butter for a smooth, gentle shave. Listeners of the Daily Standard podcast can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. New members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you get a weighty handle, a cassette of four razor cartridges, and a tube of shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments cancel any time you like. For this exclusive offer, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. Be sure to tune in every day. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. I'm Eric Felton. Thanks for listening.